When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Fader Interview. I'm Alex Robert Ross, Editorial Director of The Fader. There's something refreshing about hearing Alicia Keys, a singer-songwriter, actor, and activist, now entering the third decade of a career that's brought 15 Grammy Awards and countless other accolades, say that she felt as uninspired over the past 18 months as anyone else. Keys says she had writer's block, unable to access what she calls the portal to creativity. And so her eldest son, Egypt, spent more time on the piano practicing than Keyes herself. Still, the timing wasn't so bad. Keyes released a memoir, More Myself, just a couple of weeks after the world shut down. And her sixth studio album, Alicia, eventually released last September, had already been mixed and mastered. That she managed to spend the rest of lockdown launching a wellness brand, releasing a YouTube docuseries on her life, celebrating the 20th anniversary of her debut album Songs in A Minor, and putting the finishing touches to her first graphic novel, says a lot about what Keys considers a tricky creative period. And then there's Keys, her seventh studio album, Out Tomorrow. It's a double album split into two parts. The first, Originals, is a stripped down and bluesy collection of songs, mostly Keys and her piano. The second, Unlocked, mostly involves Keys and Mike Will Made It breaking those tracks apart, sampling and reworking them, creating something fresh. The process and reasoning behind the album is one thing she discussed with me last week on a call from Art Basel in Miami, where she was preparing to perform an intimate live set mixing old songs, newer cuts, and a guided meditation for 600 guests. But over the course of our conversation, which we're splitting into two parts as well, with the second episode coming tomorrow, she also reflected on the past 20 years of her career, the expectations she had placed on her as a young artist, and the conscious decision to stop running from the spotlight. Thank you so much for making time to talk to me, Alicia. This is great. I'm really excited to chat with you. Where are you right now? Right now I'm in Miami. You're doing Art Basel right now? Uh Uh-huh. We're doing Basel and we do these kind of one night only shows for the Keys record. And it's like each one is completely different. And it's it's actually so interesting because every show I have to go in there and reimagine the set list and how I want it to feel in that moment. So I I love it. So it's going to be great. How long have you been away from home this time? Dang, how long have I been away? I was away for a minute and then I got back for a few bits and now I've been been away again. But I've been doing a pretty good balance. You know, when you got little ones, you have to make sure, especially as the mama, you can't just be gone. Mama just can't be gone, you know? So so it's been a little bit, but it's all right because we've had a lot of time together too. That's good. I was actually, I was reading about your incredible home in Architectural Digest. You got that new piece out and... Uh, one thing that struck me from that and from watching your YouTube series was how at home, like how much it feels like a home, even though it's kind of an architectural marvel, you don't treat it like an, like an art exhibit. And you've only been there for a couple of years now. I mean, did you ever feel 
intimidated at all by the place when you first moved in or did you just immediately feel at home? You know what? That's super deep because I have definitely felt intimidated by a lot of things like that in my life. You know, like I remember, you know, like the first time I went to perform for like these record executives, like when I was a super kid. And at that time, I hadn't been in these massive buildings. And I remember they took me up to like the hundredth and something floor. And when I came out, it was all glass, the whole thing, all glass. And then they brought me into this room and there was like a white grand piano and they were like, play. And I remember I felt so intimidated by the space. Like the space was so new to me. I never, my, my little apartment was one bedroom. It was like, I just, I feel like throughout my life, I have been the places that I vividly remember feeling intimidated by. You know what I mean? Like it just made me feel like I was supposed to do something. And I gotta say, you know, this, this, our home, it really is our home. And I think that's mostly because I definitely have grown a lot, of course, and I've traveled a lot. So I've been able to see places and understand that there's just different ways to to live and vibe. But mostly because I have really made the choice to be able to be comfortable with good things. You know, like I think that a lot of times we push away, me, I can't talk for you, but I have pushed away good things for me because I feel like I don't deserve that or now that's not, you know, or if I, you know, I don't want too much because if I have too much, then, you know, like what's that going to, it's going to change me or it's going to make me a different person. And I've realized over the time that, you know, nothing changes you. You are who you are. Sure, you grow and you evolve and things like that, but you are who you are. If you're a piece of shit, guess what? Broke or with not broke, you're going to be a piece of shit. Like if you're a kind person with whatever you have, that's who you are. If you're a jokester, you're going to be a jokester. Like that's who you are. Like, and of course not saying you can't change, but my my main assessment is that if you're a piece of shit, you're always going to be a piece of shit. So, you know, you can't kind of have this feeling that that you're not supposed to have things or nice things because it somehow is going to change you. So that's been ill. That's been my own personal journey of of really like working on my own personal self-worth because I think we all have self-worth issues, like major, major ones that we all are trying to figure out like how we can love on ourselves. So that's a really long ass way to answer that when I'm in my house, I feel very, very comfortable there. And if you were to come to my house, it's like, it's, it's a beautiful, real spot. Like you're gonna eat and you're gonna have good conversation and the kids are gonna be running around and they're gonna be playing and they're gonna be like, we're gonna be doing all the really super normal shit because I'm, I'm, that's the person that I am. And it's really about connecting and like really living. So I feel really good there. My husband, he's a little bit more crazy. He want everything to be a, a damn art statement. I'd be like, babe, I love you so much and I really see your vision, but this is our house and our kids, they got to be able to like sit on the couch. Okay. You can't be like, don't sit on the couch. Like, stop. We have to sit on the couch. We have to eat at the table. Like we got it. So I think we're an amazing uh, balance for each other because I kind of help him do this and he helps me do that. And it's amazing. Good. I mean, it's also a place of creativity for you and for your husband. I assume that a lot of keys, which congratulations on the album, by the way, I assume that a lot of the album came together at that piano. It was so weird because, by the way, that piano is my first piano. Like that piano is the piano 
that I told you that first time that I went up to that crazy 110th floor and I was intimidated by the space. That piano, that was Columbia Records that I was performing for. And they said, if you sign with us, we're going to give you that piano. And that piano that they promised to give me is that piano in my house today. That's amazing. Ain't that crazy? I actually just kind of put that together. I read about that piano just this morning that that was how that was your first deal that's incredible that you've kept it all this time and that it's still your is that your main piano i assume that's my main piano my son plays on that piano like he practices on that piano i practice on that piano there's something about that piano that is very holds a lot of like special power but interestingly enough i actually didn't write a lot on that piano through this kind of pandemic and, you know, just us experiencing life in this new way. I really found that I was very, I was like kind of writer's block. I couldn't access the portal. Like I I felt so confused and, you know, I didn't really know how I was supposed to create in this new space. So I really didn't write a lot there. I actually wrote more in the studio that um, that I that I wrote a lot of this record because I guess I was away and there was something about maybe not feeling worried about everything that was happening on the daily and making sure like the kids were on the Zooms and were they eating lunch and like, wait, is he keeping up with it or is he actually playing Roblox when he's supposed to be like in the class or wait, my, my, my five-year-old is running from the screen. He hates the screen and he's, like, he's running around the house like, I don't want to, I don't want By the time I had two seconds for myself, I was tired, so I just fell asleep, and that was literally the pattern. So when I left there and kind of had my own space a bit, then I started to get really creative, like really creative, and I and then I found kind of more of a well. And I had a little more time to process and just like be okay with everything. It must be scary, though, to be, for somebody who creates so much as you and has done for 20 years, to be suddenly thrown into this situation that everybody was thrown into an extent, where you have that block, but you were all scared by that moment. It was interesting. The timing was strangely interesting because I had finished the Alicia record. And at that point, at the beginning of everything, when we were all kind of just figuring out who we even were or what life was anymore or whatever, I didn't have to write anything because I had already written everything. And it was really interesting. So I actually didn't have to write. But what started happening was I started to get the revelation that these songs that I had written were divinely aligned with the moment that we were in, that's what started to kind of like, I really started to recognize like, there's so much that you don't know and you see how it it plays out and you would could never have imagined how it was gonna play out. You know, you know, So it was really powerful because I had these songs that fit with the moment we were living in that I had already written 
And I was able to kind of not stress out that I was actually probably having some major writer's block because I didn't have to write. I had written it already. So that was kind of one of those like divine alignments that, you know, you just are grateful for when it bumps up against you. So I didn't feel that level of fear because I, I didn't have to, I already had created what I needed to create. You know what I mean? Um, there was a there was a few little moments at the end where I did need to tie up with this or finish up with that, and I did. What I found was that because I had been spending so much time alone, I actually realized that I hadn't been writing as much on my own like I wanted to. Because my first record, I wrote everything on my own. Like it was just I was too scared to write with other people. It felt so intrusive and uncomfortable. I just didn't want to share that personal space with people. Then I started getting used to writing with people just because it's kind of fun. You get different energies, you get different elements, and it was it became fun. And then right at the end of Alicia, when I needed to kind of finish up, I was like, I'm just going to write by myself. Like, I'm just going to be by myself. And there was something about going back to that beginning of just like nobody interrupting your vibe um, that was really powerful. And that, I think, did lead me to Keys because that was a lot what Keys was about. So... So that was fire. Yeah, we talk a lot about inspiration and like even the word inspiration implies, you mentioned the divine there, like the word inspiration implies like God is talking to you and, and working through you. But like in, in reality, this is work. It isn't just a case of being hit by inspiration at a moment's notice. I mean, you, you work on this. I've heard you refer to it in the past as like, it's, this is a wheel and you need to grease it. How much of creating this record was about working on this, trying to will yourself back into that creative mode after a really strange time and sort of grafting at it, being gritty? In my experience, you always have to work for it. That's just period. Like if you, if anybody's delusional enough to think that you're just gonna like sit down and just everything all the time is just the most easiest flow in this thing and you just happen to be hit with all this inspiration and then it's just so simple and easy. That's bullshit. Nobody, that's nobody ever. Now that doesn't mean that there are not moments where you you are hit by inspiration and it comes fast and you're like, oh, this is crazy. I just wrote, I just wrote this thing that happened, that's happened to me before. I've been in that room with myself and I've been like, oh my God, like, whoa. That was like a lightning bolt of divine inspiration. True. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it doesn't happen a lot. Not with like something where it's amazing. You know what I mean? It happens with a bunch of bullshit that you kind of like, okay, it was a cute little thing that I like just have fun with. And it was cool. You know what I mean? But but those ones, those are very, very, very special. And, and so I personally feel like you always have to work. You have to want it. You have to craft it. You have to think about it. You have to imagine it. You have to dream it. You have to walk away from it. You have to come back to it. You got to ask yourself, like, is that good? You got to say, you know what? That's what the moment was for me. I don't care what anybody else thinks. You have to like be in it. You got to be a part of it. You know what I mean? So I think that that's my experience. That's how I feel. So that idea of kind of working for something is not scary to me. Like I I know I'm going to have to work for it. This is you know, every time I write a song, I don't know how I wrote a song. I'm grateful for the songs I've written. And every time I go in and write a song, I'm like, how do I write a song? I don't, am I going to write a song? I don't even know what to do. How do I write the song? <laughs> it's just, I think it's almost a part of how it has to be, you know? So yeah, so it definitely took some work, but I think that what it actually, what happened to me for Keys that I really did love is I was very clear 
that I really wanted this to be about the keys. Like I've been I've been waiting for keys for like about five years. I always had the title in my head and I always knew Alicia would come first and keys would come second. So I've been waiting for this moment. So it's kind of been in my energy. And and so since I knew I wanted it to be so focused around a piano and really just like really into that piano zone, I was very clear about what how I wanted to start, which helps because I think sometimes when you kind of just go in and you have fun, which is awesome, you find yourself going a thousand places and you're like, wait, where, where do I belong? But this one, I really, really knew what I wanted to do. So I just sat down at the piano and I did kind of release a lot of judgment on this record. Whereas to your question before, I am a crafter of songs. I really believe in like the art of songwriting. I like to make words make sense. And I like choruses that like take you to a place. They're very, they're easy, they're singable, but they also are emotional. Like I pay attention to the style of writing and how I want that song to kind of unfold for me and the person that's going to listen to it. This time I, I did feel like I let go of a lot of that judgment. I just allowed myself to write what I felt, how I felt, what I felt to explore these chords and play and find it. And this is what it made me feel. And this is what I wrote. And I didn't get so crazy about like some of some of the ways I have before, you know, in regards to the crafting. I definitely crafted the song, but I looked at it from a different viewpoint. I just allowed it to be free. And I think that's the reason why it feels so like cohesive and almost like a it just feels like it has like a, a connected energy because it really all lived in this moment, in this place with this mentality and during this time. Do you think some of that freedom with yourself, some of the freedom and independence you allowed yourself in the process came from, you know, the other thing you released alongside Alicia was uh, your your book, More Myself, uh, which is a quite unflinching and, and open, sort of honest reflection on, on your journey so far. How much did that open you up? Like, did it, I almost want to say the word, like, did it purge you of something? You, I think you're right. I think you are really a thousand percent right. Cause like, when would you ever go back to all these moments in your life and like really reckon with them? I had to reckon with those moments because I had to decide what really displayed what I was trying to share in writing the book more myself, which what I was trying to share was like this idea of how do you actually find who you are? How do you find your authentic voice? Not the one that everyone told you to say and the politically correct one that you're supposed to say and the one that everybody said, I like you when you're like this or, you know, all those things we pick up. Like we pick up all of this and we create ourselves to be other people's desired outcomes, I guess. So yeah, so to reckon with that and to look at all the ways that I did that for a long time did give me a lot of like, fuck, Jesus, you really, really bent backwards, forwards, sideways, left, and you changed because other people asked you or told you you should change and you trusted them more than you trusted yourself. So that's ultimately the point of what I was writing. And so to go back and to reckon with that definitely opened up a space to your point, like a purging that, that I, I guess I could just get it out and see it for what it was and reflect on it on my today self and forgive myself, you know what I mean, for these things that you kind of hold on to and maybe you're angry that you did or you wish you were 
wish you knew more or whatever the things are that we do. And then open it up and then just be like, okay, fuck it. There it is. Boom. <laughs> I remember before the before the book came out, I was like, why did I say I wanted to do this? What? Why did I want to do this again? I had a couple moments. I was like, what was I? the hell made me say yes to this? <laughs> but I have to say that um, I'm glad I said yes because saying yes said made me say yes to myself. You know what I mean? It made me say yes to like uncovering and 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 digging up in there and releasing a lot of things and forgiving and apologizing and just like being comfortable with who I am and, and why I am. So I think you're right. There was a purge there that then led to an openness because there was more space to kind of like just put more things in or share share more freely or just, you know, just realize that that's, that's it. It's interesting hearing you say that because one moment that really stood out to me on, on this album or albums, plural, depending on how you look at it, is old memories. It's an interesting song because it, by the end, it, it seems to sort of be explicitly about romantic love, but really it's more open than that, I think, as a song. It, it's it's about nostalgia and, and looking backwards. And y- you seem, I wouldn't say that you seem afraid of that, but you definitely categorize that looking backwards as, you know, you, you say that it's like, it sneaks in the dark and creeps into your bed, like these feelings. Do you have to will yourself to exist in the present with this stuff? Because it, it sounds like the way that you conceive of the past is as not an entirely positive thing all the time. Hmm, you know, I mean, because shit, it's not positive all the time. That's the thing. I mean, I think that's part of what I'm even grappling with. And I think a lot of people actually grapple with that with me a little bit somehow, <laughs> that um, I am a very glass half full person. I've chosen to be that person because shit, life is hard and it's too hard to get swept up in all the drama and all the negative shit. It could take you under so fast. So I've definitely chosen to be a more, you know, optimistic individual just because I'm actually willing it into existence. I might not believe that it's good, but I'm going to say it's good until it's good because that's what I believe. Like I can will shit into existence. But a lot of people, I think, look at me and and they see my optimism and they see, you know, the way that I carry myself and they kind of figure like, oh, well, that's great. Everything's great for Alicia. And, you know, she's always happy and like she's really zen and, you know, stuff is great for her. So it's like that's, and, and, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Like I said, I'm not afraid of joy. I'm not afraid of happiness anymore. I'm not, I'm not holding that. I'm not blocking my blessings. Period. But nothing is ever just always good and nothing's ever just like wonderful every minute. You know what I mean? It's just not real. It's not a realistic thing. So when I look at the past, it's not that I look at it with regret or disdain. I just can really see 
those parts that I fell into these traps, you know what I mean? And and as a as a more, you know, experienced person who I've lived in a way that I can really kind of understand it. And so when I look back, it's 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 actually just from a place of of knowledge, like of awakening or consciousness or whatever. And to be able to say, man, I really fell into that trap. Like I really I was and I and I got stuck in it. Not only did I fall in it, I got stuck until I finally realized like, wait, 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 wait. What are you? What are you trying to do? So when I look at the past, honestly, I'm I'm mostly in awe of the past. I'm, I I I truly look at the past and I'm like, Jesus, this is crazy. The life that has passed and the life that I've lived and and that I'm living. And so mostly I'm I'm in reverence of it. Like I feel in awe of it. But I definitely know that there's a lot of things that I don't want to repeat. And I feel like I happen to be a person that we all are, but I'm speaking for myself, is, you know, there's a pattern that I kind of can find myself get stuck in. And then I find myself dropping back into it after I already learned that I didn't want to be stuck in it. So I really, really, really work hard at like not repeating and repeating things. So this old memory song that you bring up, it's one of my favorite songs. I personally feel like I was like in my ain't got you bag. I was in my fallen bag. I was in my like, that song to me is like one of those songs. It's my, it's my favorite time signature. It's that three, four, but that, but that, 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 that bounce that I just like, something happens to me when I hear that bounce. So, um, and that, and what I love about it so much is it's, it is kind of like this recognition, old memories, they don't fade away. They show up before you leave and disappear when you wish they'd stay. Like how many times do you actually are like, what was that thing? What happened there? Remember we had that conversation, but what did we say? I remember he was mad at me, but why was he mad? You know, it's like, and you're trying to remember these pieces. Um, no heart is immune. No secret is kept. It only gets stronger with age, old memories, they don't fade away. So it's actually kind of this beautiful recollection of like old love songs. They trigger you. Here you hear this song and you are brought back to the exact moment where that breakup happened and you were crying. It's like, and it's it's a song. You're not living in that moment, but that memory is that powerful. Old photographs, like you look at them and you're like, man, they don't fade away. That That's still there. It's been a hundred years since that picture was taken and I can still look at it. You know what I mean? So I love that song because it really is kind of a reflection of the memories that we, the, the love or the people that have meant something to us and how impactful they are to us and kind of holding on to the memories we're creating because we're we're right now living, right today you're living and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So this idea of kind of the memories we're creating and how to hold on to the people that you love while they're there. You know what I mean? But it it's not a love song. It's not a, a song about like a, a lover. It's like almost this kind of song about a feeling of something that you can't exactly get back, but you know it's so special. You'll always be able to find it, even though you can't tactically hold it. It's just wild. I love that song. It's so layered. I, that's the thing. I, you know, without meaning to sound corny, music is can be a form of time travel. That's another emotionally quite vulnerable song in some ways, and in the same way as more myself. I was wondering, like watching watching your YouTube series, and um, you open it by saying that making music for you is like exposing secrets and you're usually very uncomfortable being exposed 
but that that's changed over time. And you say this now, you say, I'm done giving my power away, which is a really fascinating way of contextualizing that. Have you reached a point now in your life and in your career where exposing yourself emotionally is actually a source of power? Yes, I think you I think you're right on to something with that. Because it is. Because it's like, I don't know. It's like we shape shift so much because we want to fit in or because we want people to like us or because we want to nail that performance or because we want people to be accepting of this body of work that I'm presenting or whatever. You know, we don't mean to do it. I don't think. I definitely didn't mean to do it. I always thought I was being so real and so honest and shit. And the next thing I know, I'm looking at myself. I'm like, no, you're not even choosing things for yourself. You're choosing it because you made eye contact with your manager and your manager kind of gave you the, you know, you need to do this. And then you were like, no, I probably need to do this. That's what happens. It's just like you have these people in your life who are strong presences and you trust them and you have to trust them because- how else are you going to like survive? You can't do it all by yourself. And then you find that they're the only voice that you trust because you've just created that pattern as opposed to saying, wait, now I know what you think. You're very clear about what you think, but what do I think? And so I think that that's the power, exposing what you think. A lot of times you don't even want to say what you think because you don't want somebody to think you're stupid. They might not agree with you. They might not like it. So you're like, well... I'll hold back what I think because I don't want them to think I'm, st- and I don't exactly know, but I feel it. And so we're like, nah, but they probably know because they've done it. And then we give our power away. So that's what I mean about giving the power away. Like at some point you have to trust yourself and nobody knows you better than you. And the only way you're going to realize that nobody knows you better than you is if you actually exercise trying to get to know you. And you can't get to know you if you're constantly agreeing or doing what everybody else suggests for you or wants for you because you figure that they're, they know better than you. So that's the, that's the part that um, I'm done with. And that's the part that does give me a, a, a big power because I'm clear that I am smart enough, a visionary enough, you know, um, experienced enough, powerful enough, dope enough, all the shit that we uh, many of us don't feel like we're enough of. I am that. And 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 nobody's going nobody's going to confuse me about that anymore. So there's definitely a power there. I mean, that's been a theme of your career in a lot of ways. When you first started out, you had to fight for your independence, you had to be able to say no to people and and you did, you know, successfully. But one way of doing that, I mean, it's been 20 years since your debut, you know, almost in a month. People wanted to change you and market you in ways that made you feel quite rightly uncomfortable. One reaction to that for a lot of people would be retreating into themselves, especially with a huge audience. At what point for you did it change into a situation where you could say, I'm just going to put myself out there. That's going to be the source of power rather than guarding myself and, and putting that, these barriers up that go in the opposite direction. Was there a, 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 a change, like a moment of a, a pivot there? I spent so long guarding myself, so long guarding it and, and not wanting to even myself know that I was crumbling or falling apart or scared or, you know, felt inadequate or whatever and put on the face and the 
the good face and kind of that face we were talking about earlier where a lot of people say, no, nah, but Alicia's good, right? She's she's great. She's happy. She's all of that face. You know what I mean? And I and I put that on so long that finally I'm trying to figure out like, I think it was just, I just became like sick of myself. It's like, I'm so sick of you, man. I'm so, what are you doing? What are you guarding yourself from? And naturally you get it. You go back and you realize all of the pieces and, and you're right. There was a lot of a lot of fighting that I had to do. And and that's hard. It's hard to fight against against massive machines and corporations and you know, big things that you're that you're just wanting to be who you are. You know, that's all. It's quite simple. I just want to be who I actually am. That's all. It's hard to be who you actually are, you know, and, and that's not often encouraged. I think now is more encouraged because of the the state of, you know, music is such a more fluid experience now. It's like we all own our own energy. We all curate our own magazine. We all, you know, have. there's no limit to how you can express or, you know, what how you put your music out or your art out or, you know, whatever that you might be creating. There's kind of no way, nobody can stop you from doing that anymore. You know what I mean? So I feel like now there's a much more fluid, almost like, desire to completely be an individual. In a lot of ways, I think it goes back to like the origins of hip hop and the origins of like a lot of the most exciting musics of our life. It's like there was a rebelliousness because you didn't need anybody to tell you, shit, I'm going to do this because this is what I do. And so I feel like that's a that's a little bit more of the, of the energy that I think exists um, now. But for me, I, I think I just finally... I'm not sure what turned the page, but I think it was just like years of cracking away at the wall. The wall was there and I just had to like slowly with a hammer and a nail, like just like I'm going to break this fucking wall down if it's the last thing I do. And slowly but surely it would crack and it would crack and it would crack and it would crack and that part would fall and that part would fall. And then I'd be brave enough to push that part down. And so I think it was just kind of like time that 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 brought it there and and really realizing many things as you go that was alicia keys talking to the fader her new album keys is out tomorrow december 10 via rca and we'll be releasing the second part of our conversation to coincide with that our engineer is tony giambroni and our associate producer is salvatore Mackey. we'd like to thank Lauten audio for providing our microphones you can find them online at lautenaudio.com. And we'd like to thank James Ivy for providing our intro music. Remember to follow the Fader interview wherever you listen to podcasts. And keep an eye on thefader.com for essential music news, interviews, and essays. We'll be back tomorrow with more from Alicia Keys. Goodbye until then.